You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? No, 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 no. You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Breakaway chance. Kachuk sends it in front and a wide open net for Sam Bennett, who scores his second of the night off a brutal turnover of the Vancouver line. There are a lot of family men on the team, so I mean, uh, the rest I'm not worried about, but uh, it's uh, it's a little bit mind boggling how you can lay two eggs in a row like that at home. That's not up to me to decide, right? But either way, it's a tremendous honor and I'm very grateful uh, to be honored anyway. Nothing really. I just suck at hockey right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Halford. It is Brough. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Jason, good morning. Jason's microphone's not working. I'll say it for Good morning. Good morning. Andy, good morning to you. Good morning. And Greg, good morning to you as well. Is this thing on? Hello. It is on. Halford and Breath of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the impeccable Kintec Studios where all the equipment works. Jason, tell the fine folks more about Kintec. Oh, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. 1,500? That's a lot. And they're not four-star reviews or three-star reviews. They're five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Big show ahead on the Halboro Experience on a Friday. One, it's a Friday. Am I right? Huh? It's cold. It, it is, is very cold. It is bitterly cold outside. And Greg, I know that you're from Hamilton where it reaches minus 60. But you got to admit, this is a bit cold. This is nothing. <laughs> yeah. Your Ontario is yeah. showing. I had my toque, my scarf, my gloves. And that was inside. I will just say. wanted to be cozy. It yeah. is colder here, though, the, the dampness, I think. It's true. It's it, it gets it right into you your harder. bones. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely does. Okay, so and plus when you go to the steel mill, they've got those <laughs> blast furnaces or whatever they they call them. To, oh yeah, those, to, those to, are to keep you to keep you warm. Those are toasty warm. Yeah. <laughs> but Let you guys smoking in front of it, like, this is good living. Okay, uh, big show today. We're gonna go to Qatar at six thirty in the morning and talk to Peter Galindo in the wake of Canada being eliminated from the twenty twenty two World Cup yesterday. So the result happened basically as we were going off air. In case you missed it, a 2-1 defeat to Morocco. So Canada has no points, no ties, no wins. Two goals, one of them of their own doing, and they are out of Qatar. They did not finish last, though. They finished 31st out of 32 teams. Qatar finished last? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Losers. Take that, hosts of the World Cup. So we'll talk to Peter Galindo about that at 6.30. We can also look ahead to the round of 16. I will say this. It's shaping up to be maybe the most global, the most worldly World Cup ever with all the teams that have qualified for the round of 16. I won't get into it right now. We'll get into that at 6.30 with Peter Galindo. 7 o'clock, Brady Henderson, ESPN, NFL Nation. Uh, we'll uh, look ahead to the Seahawks game this weekend. Seahawks definitely at a like, crisis point, tipping point in their season after getting run over by Josh Jacobs and the Raiders last week. So we'll talk to Brady about that. 7.30, Kevin Woodley, NHL.com, In Goal Magazine. When we booked Kev... Uh, earlier in the week for the Friday hit, 
I don't think anyone anticipated that Canucks goaltending would be the number one story in the market, not just Roberto Luongo, but now the Thatcher Demko injury as well. So we'll talk to Kev at 7.30 about all that. 8 o'clock, it's the Moj, Bob, the Moj Marjanovic. Uh, his beloved Serbian national team is in action today. I don't even know if he's watching it. I don't even know if he's still in New Orleans or not, carrying gumbo around from place to place. But we'll talk to Moj at 8 o'clock about all things NFL uh, and get into some other conversations. we got to do Ask Us Anything Friday with Moj as well. Speaking of, it is Friday on the Halford & Bruff Show. It is Ask Us Anything. Uh, especially today, Andy, if I'm not mistaken, we're giving away yet another pair of tickets to go see the Canucks play hockey. Canucks Coyotes, Saturday night, Rogers Arena. Man, the place is going to be jumping for that one. You cannot contain the excitement. Canucks Coyotes. It's going to be one of those games where you walk in there and you want to get there a bit early. It just you, feels you, electric. You just kind of want to soak it all up. You mm-hmm. want to be there for the warm-ups, and you just want to feel the buzz of the place start to build. Yeah, the whole city's I, talking about it right now. It's crazy. Like I, I was driving in this morning, and uh, even though it's, it's dark, out and everything. Everyone's got their car flags on. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I noticed it too. A lot like of Cody's car flags. Oh, well, yeah. There's a there's lot. A there's a lot of Stetcher support. There's yeah. a lot of Stetcher support. Oh, my God. Uh, so I will say this. Um, I, we got the email yesterday as we try and promote Saturday's game that we're we giving the away home tickets of the to. <laughs> home of the Canucks. Sports at 650. The sarcastic home of the Canucks. They, um, we were the home of the Canucks. I noticed that they, the Canucks sent an email yesterday talking about all the theme nights that they're going to have in December. Yeah. Um, like, and I, I mean, like face I, painting night. Yeah, there's like gout, hungry, hungry hippo night, gout awareness night. Like I think there's a lot of them, right? <laughs> Did so, you know last night was brutal five one loss night? <laughs> yeah. Crushing hopes. It's and weird dreams that they night. would pick yeah. that as yeah. uh, a yeah. theme, but. They did anyway. Kudos to the players for just following suit too, and just being like, okay. But I thought it was I thought it was funny because Tuesday was also brutal, crushing loss. Yeah, five one loss. You know night, why we right? lost is because you were sitting in the white color seats and not the blue color seats. That's true. If you yeah. would have sat with the people, we would have won. But That's no, true. you had to snob it up with the wine crowd. Also, puck management and horrific defensive. <laughs> no, I like yeah, Andy, I like Andy's yeah. answer better. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely, it was definitely the, the, you defied the working class, and then the players went out and did no work whatsoever. I so. was doing deals. Okay. As they do in the uh, lower bowl, I don't know. The highfalutin. He was, ask, he was asking for a stick of gum, chapstick, that kind I of thing. I am a businessman. <laughs> anyway, the whole reason we're talking. Stocks? I don't know how it got to this point, but it is Ask Us Anything Friday. Oh, that makes sense. The, the segment often goes off the rails. So uh, get your AUAs in now. Ask us anything. You can literally ask us anything. Uh, we will be doing them throughout the show if you hashtag it AUA and add a ticket emoji, you will be entered into the quote-unquote grand prize draw to see the Canucks play the Coyotes on Saturday night at Rogers Arena. Uh, two tickets for that one. So start getting those in now. Uh, as for what else is happening today, the final group stage matches at the World Cup in Qatar are going to be going down. You have Korea playing Portugal. Portugal's already through. Everything else in the group is left to play for. Uh, that's a 7 a.m. kickoff. Also at 7 a.m., you have Uruguay and Ghana. And then at 11, Brazil and Cameroon. Brazil's already through. Switzerland and Serbia to do battle to see who gets through there. Uh, there's three NHL games. There's 11 NBA games. We're also going to do our Play Now Locks of the Week today as well. So it's a big show. It always is on a Friday. Uh, but before we get into what's going on Friday, we have to tell you what happened on Thursday. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. Missed it. You missed that? What happened? Canucks lose. Canucks lose. And just when you think that you can't 
or won't see anything new from this team, the Canucks found a whole new way to lose and a whole new way to potentially upset their season on Thursday night at Rogers Arena. Matthew Kachuk, Gustav Forsling, and Ryan Lomberg all scored within a 59-second span late in the first period, and the Florida Panthers defeated the Canucks 5-1 at Rogers Arena. That's not all, though. In that 59-second span, Thatcher Demko also suffered what looked to be a pretty significant injury. So Spencer Martin came in and could be the goalie moving forward for the foreseeable future. So the second consecutive 5-1 loss at home, you lose your number one netminder, and boom, you head into Saturday where we're giving away a pair of tickets to see the Coyotes play the Canucks at Rogers Arena. You were there, Jason. What did you think? I, I was there last night, and um, I came home afterwards, and I, I'm not going to say drunkenly looked at the highlights, but uh, you know I was at the hockey game and enjoyed myself while I was there. So um, I came home, and I was like, it seems like a lot of the Canucks goals they gave up last night were really bad. And that was my analysis. I was like, they, they looked kind of like kind of amateur hour. So I, I watched them all. You went to the tape. I, I went to the tape. And I actually wrote some notes on what exactly happened on all five goals. And we'll get to the Thatcher Demko injury in just a bit. The first goal that Florida scored was a brutal Luke Shen giveaway. He threw a weak backhander to the point where there was no one but Florida Panthers. The Panthers made one pass to Kachuk and they scored. So that's the first goal. Luke Shen, brutal giveaway. Second goal. Another failed clearance. This time, it was Ethan Bear with a weak backhand that didn't even come close to getting to the point. So at least Luke Shen got his weak backhand to the point. Ethan Bear just turned it over and yada, yada, yada. It results in a Forsling goal. 2 nothing Florida. Well, we'll probably get out of the first period though, right? I mean, down 2 nothing. that's pretty bad. But come on, guys, pull it together. The third goal. The Canucks give up a three-on-two. And Demko makes three saves before the Panthers scored on their fourth try. Granted, it was a bad initial rebound by Demko. But please, for the love of God, somebody tie up a stick. Both Ethan Bear and Tyler Myers failed in that regard. So that's three goals in the first period. They're all pretty bad. 59 seconds. The fourth goal might have been the worst one. The Canucks surrender a four-on-three. They back up and back up and back up and back up and back up. And two Canucks go to the puck carrier, Elias Pettersson and Tyler Myers. And yet the puck carrier still manages to find one of two open Florida Panthers in the slot. The one open Panther passes it to the other open Panther, who scores, and it's 4 nothing. Open Panthers. The fifth goal. Nils Hoaglander makes a horrendous cross-ice pass and misses Quinn Hughes by a mile. The puck bounces off the wall to Kachuk, who goes in on a 2-on-0 and passes to Bennett for the fifth goal. Ta-da! <laughs> Ta-da, you have a 5-1 loss to the Florida Panthers on a night where the Canucks were supposed to honor 
the Sedins and Luongo for going into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Well done, boys. Oh, and by the way, Thatcher Demko got hurt. Just in case that got really buried. badly, potentially. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to throw to you a few times here, laddie. I'm not going to get you to play armchair, you know, doctor. I don't think that that's fair. But um, did you see anything? Did Woodley see anything? I know we're going to talk to Woodley. Where you're like, oh man, that looks awful. Either the way that he had to move to make the saves, or as Jason pointed out, the fact he was flailing about just trying to keep his team. In the game, was there anything there other than, oh, God, this is bad? Well, on the initial drop, you do see him. Like He made two saves after he was hurt. Yeah, he clearly got hurt right away yeah, and then tried to battle through. He, he had to uh, just keep playing, even though the, the saves and the shots kept coming. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's either it's something on that right side. I, I'm crossing my fingers. Like you said, you don't want to play armchair doctor, but I, I really hope it's not his hip. Uh, we know he's had surgery on that, and he's right. had some knee issues as well. Uh, could be either of those things. And both of those things spell a bad time. So the speculation was this off-season procedure that he had. It was never confirmed. No one reported it by the club, but it was suggested that it might have been knee surgery. Correct. So And he's had hip surgery before. So. That was a while ago. That was when he was still right, in college. Right, when he was still in college. Yeah. So either way, extremely concerning because he needed help off the ice. I mean, you were there making deals in the lower bowl. I'm sure you guys looked up and saw that poor Thatcher was being carried off the ice, basically, yeah. by his teammates. And you know what? If there was any air left in the building at that point, that really took it out because at that point, you've just given up three goals in a remarkably short stretch. You see your franchise netminder getting carted off the ice, not literally, but he's getting carried off the ice. And you realize that this two-game set at home could not have gone really any worse. They got outscored 10-2 to combined by the Florida Panthers and the Washington Capitals. Two teams, by the way, that aren't exactly lighting the league on fire mm-hmm. through this point in the season. So we got a bunch of audio to go through. The theme here is going to be, wow, we're terrible. <laughs> this is coming from the captain, one of the veterans on the team, and the head coach. Do we have the Horvat clip available? We'll start with Bo this time, if only because, hey, we want to run the gamut of everything negative that this team had to say about itself. In which, and again, it really does sum up the season. They could not have come back home on a better vibe, a higher feeling, than going on that mini road swing and getting pretty good wins. I don't even care what the opposition's story was going into them, but beating the likes of Colorado and Vegas and to a lesser degree San Jose. They come home. And lay about as big of an egg as you can. Uh, here's the captain on more. This is Bo Horvat following a 5-1 loss to the Florida Panthers Thursday night at Rogers Arena. They uh, they took it to us, and they looked like the more desperate team. And, and they just wanted it more in the first period. Um, you know, I thought uh, in the second and the third, I thought we played a lot better. But at the same time, when you get down by three, and it just kind of takes the wind out of yourself, especially in the last couple minutes there. Um, just, again, it wasn't a good enough effort for us tonight, especially at home. Now let's go to JT Miller. And JT Miller had a kind of interesting moment, which in the moment didn't seem like a lot, but I think it speaks to a lot more. So uh, when the game was more than getting away from the Vancouver Canucks, you were there. And again, again, you probably saw this. He fought Radko Gudis. Mm -hmm. In the context of the game, like in the AP, I think it was Woodley actually working the game last night, the Stringer writing the game story, it's not even worth mentioning. It was an inconsequential fight. It didn't do anything. That to me was as big of a story as the actual fight, that it did absolutely nothing. Because this Canucks team, on countless times this year, has fallen behind or gotten off to a horrible start in the game, and they look listless and dull. And what do they do? Someone fights. Someone fights. 
It, they, JT they, Miller was sticking up for Holglander. I know, he? Yeah, but yeah. Re- regardless of the circumstances, yeah. it was also one of those games where it got away and liberties were being taken with them, and they were getting sure. their heads kicked in, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So Miller fought. Good on him. He took on a tough customer in Gudis. If you look at the Canucks fighting totals this year, they're way up. And if you look at the times in the game they often happen, it's often when they're down 2 or 3 nothing, or they're getting caved in, or they're getting pushed around. And it's almost like... They don't have any other plan for when they're falling behind or not playing well. <laughs> then, okay, well, maybe a fight will lift us. It's almost like the last vestige, the desperation of a team that has got no answers. Mm-hmm. I th- and I don't want to uh, round peg square hole too much here, but I do feel like this is a team that when you don't have any structure – and you don't have any plan, and you don't have any identity, and you don't know how to play in certain situations – you fall back on, oh, the boys need a lift. Yeah. We got to get a lift. You should have a few answers. Or it's in the almost bag. like, this is probably something I should do. Yeah, and you, you, know? need, you need a few more answers in the bag than that. You need a few more things to fall back on than that. You need a few more things as a team. That you can, so Miller spoke after the game, and he used the word immaturity, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct, Greg? Yeah, he said uh, the team was immature. Let's hear more from JT Miller following the 5-1 loss to Florida last night. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh... It's just like uh, immaturity. Like we, we talk all the time about, you know, we weren't having our best period. There's three minutes to go. Get it into the house. We reset. We give up three consecutive goals on shifts back to back to back. I mean, it's, you know, we uh, we don't show uh, enough maturity as a group for a more, an extended period of time, and that's what we're working on. Immaturity of a group that has largely been together for quite a while now. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there are a few new additions, but these guys have been here for a while. And it always seems crazy to me that there's talk of just like doubling down on this group and keeping it together. And it seems like crazy talk to me when the management says we're just going to keep pecking away at the roster. Mm-hmm. Pecking away at the roster. When is it going to be fixed? In 2050? It, th- 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 this team is fundamentally flawed from both the personnel on the ice in terms of their hockey playing abilities, Mm -hmm. but I think even more concerning, they are not a group that works well together. No. I just went over (laughs) all those – I just went over all the goals that they surrendered, and most of it was just because guys weren't in the places where they were supposed to be. And I heard Sat talking about this on the post-game show, and he called them a bunch of stat chasers. Mm. And – you know, I, I don't know if I'd, I, I, I don't know. Like Sat, Sat was, he just watched the game, and you know, he's, fired he's, he's, he's doing fired. another post game show, and like, you know, he's he's tired of the, they're tired of seeing this. Like, and this was yet another home game where the Canucks laid an egg, which we can talk about later. But they are a collection of individuals, but they are so far away from, um you know, making it something bigger than a collection of individuals. That's, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's, that's all they are, it. right? Like they, their cohesiveness as a group is non-existent. There is some chemistry that I suppose you would have, like within the line, like PD, whose last two games have not been very good, but like mm-hmm. that line I suppose has some chemistry. But other than that, you're kind of like, you know, none of the defensive pairings really – work except for Shen and Hughes once in a while but even then you're kind of like yeah all right they've got issues too right Mm -hmm. 
Like it's just it needs, in my opinion, it needs a massive shakeup. Yeah. Like to the point I was thinking about this last night. I'm like, next season, and it's funny because I said this last season, but next season, I want to see at least half the roster changed out. And not just at the bottom. Not just at the bottom uh, of, of the lineup. I want to see some big, big changes. Yeah. Guys that are playing a lot of minutes right now, no longer playing those minutes for the Canucks because I think it's the only way forward. Because if you go forward with this collection of players again, it's it's not going to get better. Like, it, it's it's just not. Look at, look at the games. How many times, how many times has Bruce Boudreaux after the game been out there like I'm shocked at what happened I'm like are you yeah like how can you still be shocked at what happened it happens all the time well he's not I mean I think I think the the resignation in his voice now after repeating the same thing over and over again it's getting louder and louder and that's going to be the inevitable change I mean, we've talked about this right and by the way that Rick Tockett prediction of mine is looking a hell of a lot better than it was earlier in the week but they they don't have it. They don't have fit. None of the pieces seem to work together that they have compiled on this team. Mm-hmm. It's like a puzzle where you're jamming together, and these are like these are two edges. They can't go together, but we're trying <laughs> our best. It's like trying to put together a, a jigsaw puzzle, but you've got pieces from like thirty different puzzles. Yes, right. And one of those in the box. Th- one of them is those kids' puzzles that are the gigantic eight inch size <laughs> ones. And you're like. Eh. I hate, those, those, I, hate, I hate those ones. You're yeah. saying this group of guys are it's not f- uh, getting together and building IKEA furniture together. No, it's they're not. not. I'm not going to go. They're out. not. No, no, no. no. Now here's the bigger issue for me, anyway. And it's funny. Brian in the van writes in. He says uh, this team falling back on fighting to get a spark is like ownership uh, falling back on constant theme nights to get a spark. I mean, here's the thing. I, I've talked about this before, and w- w- the moment that apathy washes over your collective fan base, you are screwed. Ask Buffalo. It takes a long time to get back from apathy. Anger, you can get someone back because at least they've got an emotion that they can swing. You know how you say you can't love someone unless you're able to hate them as well? Mm -hmm. That's where that is at. With this, I mean, come on. Last night, you you could see and feel and hear in that building that the Sedins and Luongo Hall of Fame night with Luongo going into the Ring of Honor, it didn't have the same sort of buzz or energy. Or I mean, even from the BXA one. Mm-hmm. And I think honestly, no. But I will say, you know what? I having been in the arena for for the game. Yeah. When the Canucks scored that fourth goal, or sorry, they, they it was four nothing Florida, and they yeah, scored. There, their there was only a, there goal. was a pop. It got loud. Yeah, I know. I and actually said to my friend who I was there without the game, I was like, "Wow, like that was like people, you know, sometimes." when the team scores and it's getting blown out, like people don't even stand up. Yep. The arena was on its feet. They just wanted to see something. And I think the crowds this year at Rogers Arena have been awesome. I, I like they they really have for what they've seen, they've been really, really good crowds. There really haven't been all that many empty seats. There were a few last night. Well I think but, it's gonna get more and more. Oh I'm I, I yeah. For for sure, and uh, I mean, I'm curious to see what the crowd's going to be like for Saturday ag- against the Coyotes. I know on the secondary market you can get into the building uh, for not all that much, but my point is that they, I think we need to talk about this more. Their performances at home this season, they've had 
how many games have they played at home? Like 12 or 13? They've had six stinkers, like outright stinkers, mm-hmm. where they've either badly blown a lead or even worse, they've just been outclassed, outworked, mm-hmm. out everything. How many 5-1 losses? Was the Buffalo home opener a 5-1 loss It too? was also a 5-1 loss. So they lost 5-1 to Buffalo. They lost 5-1 to Washington. They lost 5-1 to Florida. They were uh, dominated by New Jersey and Carolina, and they blew a 4-2 lead to Vegas. Yep. That's six of their home games, and they which haven't is, played all that many home games. Which is why I brought up the slowly creeping in apathy now, I'm glad you brought up that there was a pop after the Dakota Joshua goal because I was stunned by that. I just thought there would be sort of a, a polite cheer and then everyone would get on their way. But uh, they look, this entire organization right now is playing with fire when it comes to the fan base because uh, it's not just the losing. It's that people are shelling out a significant amount of money, significant amount of time to go watch this team at home, and that's where their worst performances are. It's not just that they're not playing very well on the road and then coming home and, you know, scrapping it up and trying to make a good fight of it. They've been outscored 10 to 2 after their best road swing of the year. So the paying customer at Rogers Arena has seen probably, I don't know, four of the five worst performances of the year, five of the six worst performances of the year. That is a very alarming thing. Do we have any Boudreaux from last night as well? I think we should go out with this, uh, where he was talking about, again, like learning how to win, knowing how to win, doing what it takes to win, because quite honestly, they haven't done nearly enough of it at home. And, and you know, it's it's night after night of turn back the clock to 2011. And remember how great the 2011 team was with BX and the Sedins and Luongo. That juxtaposition now is only going to get more and more glaring because we are so far removed, both in terms of time and in terms of talent from that 2011 group to what currently is out on the ice, here's Bruce Boudreaux on his team following, again, another 5-1 loss at home. Obviously, we have to box out. We have to come back harder. We've got to do a lot of things better. I mean, that very rarely happens, and, and it should never happen to one of our teams. And, and uh, uh, you know, until I really look at it again and, and uh, get everything down, I mean, I can't really talk from all i saw was bam 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 you know uh coming up on the Halford and breath show on sportsnet 650 we're gonna go to qatar the last of the group stage matches happens in just a little bit uh there's the seven o'clock kickoffs in just over half an hour and then the 11 o'clock kickoffs and then that's it we are on our way to the round of 16 canada is not on its way to the round of 16 we're going to talk to peter galindo from sportsnet next live from qatar we'll look back on that group ending loss to morocco we'll look ahead to the round of 16 and some of the more tantalizing matchups from the world cup that's all coming up next don't go anywhere halford bruff sportsnet 650 this is the best of halford and bruff download the full show through apple google spotify or wherever you get your podcast you're listening to the best of the day And
801 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Hey, did you hear? BC's best hockey store, The Hockey Shop, has moved to Langley, where you'll find bigger departments and better parking. Centrally located just off Highway 1 near the Langley Event Center. Visit them today. It's The Hockey Shop. The Hockey Shop. We do hockey. I made that last part up for effect. To give you an idea of where this show is at mentally, two-thirds of the break was uh, the show group chat being flooded with pictures of everybody's cats. Yeah. Jason has a picture of his cats. Artemis and Mia. Kind of cuddling. Artemis, great name. Yeah. That's the, that's the name he came with from the cat cafe. So we <laughs> nice. kept it. We're like, yeah, he's nice. Artemis. Not to outdo Artemis. Mm-hmm. Andy then followed up uh, p- with two pictures of your cat. Tender Andy. Sir. Tender Sir? Yes. T- tender Sir. Sorry, His what? legal name is Shiro, but we call him Tender Sir. What? <laughs> There's so much to unpack here. <laughs> no, really. T- tender Sir. Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't know. It just it, it just we just came. Is came that up is that, that two names? So tender. tender space, sir. Yeah. Is it hyphenated? Oh, so no. you like you were like sweet talking the cat. You're like <laughs> yeah. You're such a tender little sir. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> okay. Did I you get undergo it. legal uh, proceedings to get the name changed? <laughs> I feel like that's something you would do. Had to take had to take the cat to city hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. City hall is like this is not necessary. Why did you did you wait in line five hours for this? <laughs> Please name my cat. And even the city was like, that's the name you picked. And why are you wearing hey. a tux and the cat is wearing a wedding dress? You know that that doesn't happen here. Okay, yes, sir. With Moj online. <laughs> Joining us now to breaking news on the British Columbia Lions in the future of star quarterback Nathan Rourke, Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj, admit it, this is the best segue you've ever had into an introduction for know. an interview. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I've gotten myself into this morning, but talking about cats getting married at City Hall. Hey, by the way, Cosmo and Comet, those are the two cats that we had for a while. But, See, there uh, you yeah. go. So Moj is a cat guy. Well, send pictures of your cats uh, no, afterwards. No, I'm, not, I'm not a cat guy. I'm a dog guy. Okay, fair enough. Okay, don't, don't qualify me as a cat guy. Fair. I'm, I'm not a cat guy. I'm a dog guy. Um, we, you know yeah. what? For the, for, the, for the sake of everybody involved here, I, I teased that you had breaking news, and then we devolved into cat yeah, pictures. Yeah, so uh, just yeah. go with it, Moj. Tell us what's going on with Nathan Rourke. Well, we got uh, developing news. Nathan Rourke has bought a cat. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, you guys are brutal. Going to um, tweet that from the official account. We do have news in terms of Nathan Rourke and where he's going to try out. We've been doing some digging around um, down south of the border, following some of the people that I know. And I can confirm that he will be in Indianapolis on December the 12th working out for the Colts, and he will be in Tampa Bay working out for – the Buccaneers on the 13th. And I'm also waiting on confirmation that he probably will get a look-see from Minnesota as well. So those are some of the teams that are in the, in the hunt. There's others as well. I'm still waiting to confirm them. I'm actually doing a column for black press on this today. And it'll be a little later on, but uh, I can confirm that he will be getting a workout with Tampa on the 13th and Indianapolis on the 12th. And guys, you know, the, the one with Indianapolis, that's really intriguing. If you look at their quarterbacking situation, the fact that, you know, they went with Ryan at the start of the year. Yeah. He didn't do well. They benched him. Saturday comes in. They go back to Ryan. Um, so it, it kind of tells me that, you know, there might be an opportunity there. And the other thing, too, with Indianapolis that's really intriguing is that Scott Milanovic, the former CFL head coach, is the quarterback's coach with the Indianapolis Colts. So maybe he's got somebody there that might be um, pulling for him or in his corner, so to speak. So Indy's a really interesting possibility. 
So what's the process of all this, Moach? Does he so does he travel around and does he go to their practice facilities and they and they just like what do they do? He just works out for yeah, them. So and... What'll happen is that they will probably bring in double free agents. I imagine if Rourke is coming in, they're also going to bring in some receivers. So you know you're not throwing at high school kids or anything like that. I mean you have to have somebody to throw to. So what'll happen is they'll probably you know they'll bring in several free agents. Uh, maybe they'll bring in some running backs, receivers, some DBs, and just basically run through one-on-one drills. They'll run through some physical testing in terms of 40, you know, verticals, all of those things. Um, and then, you know, probably have a, a chat with them as well. But a, a lot of physical testing. And then basically when they're, they're on the field, they'll probably run, I'm probably guessing somewhere between a half hour to an hour workout. And they'll run one-on-ones. They might, they might, depending on the numbers that they have, they might run, say, Skelly if they got enough numbers. But and Skelly's just basically, you know, your, your receivers against your DBs and linebackers. So they'll run them through all that. They'll obviously film it, and then they'll go from there. What's the one characteristic or trait or something that scouts have picked up on film that really intrigues NFL teams with Rourke? Is it the ability to get the throw out quickly because he's got that lightning quick release? Is it the ability to make plays with his feet? What's drawing the most intrigue from NFL scouts? I think process, the, the fact that he can process information so quickly and progress through whatever passing tree that he has in terms of what he has in a certain play. And I think the other thing, too, is his accuracy. He's pretty accurate, right? And he does have a strong enough arm, but I think probably the biggest thing with Nathan Rourke is his ability to process. And that's why I think that, you know, he is going to get a look. I think, you know, you're probably looking at, you know, 10 to 15 teams that are going to work him out um, from what I'm hearing. And then, you know, maybe there'll be three or four serious contenders when it's all said and done. There might be teams that are working him out that probably don't even have any interest in him, but they just need bodies like, you know, for what I just talked about. Right. I mean, if you're bringing in receivers to, you know, to get a look at, you need a quarterback to throw to him as well. Yeah. So it kind of works both ways. So I think, you know, when you, it's all said and done, I think the big thing with Nathan Rourke is having somebody who's in his corner. And, and you know, perhaps Milanovic is that guy in Indianapolis, a guy that I think that another team that I think's in the hunt seriously is Minnesota. And I'm making some calls with some people I know down there, but their executive VP of player personnel is a guy by the name of Ryan Grigsby. He was the Colts GM from 2012 through 2016, when he was there, he signed a whole bunch of CFL players. Um, and that comes from his experience in the league. Um, Grigsby started off as a scout with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in 1988 before moving to the National Football League. So he's a guy who knows quite a bit about the Canadian Football League. He's tapped into it during his time as GM in Indianapolis, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he taps into it again and has made some contacts with the people that he knows north of the border looking at Nathan Rourke. Is that usually how it works? Like, you need someone to advocate for you? I, I, was, uh, I, was, t- I was telling Halford and the guys here that I watched that Kurt Warner uh, movie, American Underdog, and, and the story that they laid out. It, it was an okay movie, Moj. I don't know if you've seen it. It was, a, it was a little cheesy, but it was an okay movie. The story that was laid out was that it was Dick Vermeil. Uh, with the Rams, that was the guy that believed in Kurt Warner and Mike Martz, who was the offensive coordinator there, was at first he was like, I don't know about this guy. Like, this guy's been playing in the Arena League, but Dick Vermeil is like, no, there's something about this guy. Anyway, yada, 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 uh, Kurt Warner is in the Hall of Fame now. 
But is that typically how it goes? Like you've got one guy in the football ops that says, like, I believe in this guy and kind of pounds the table for him? Or can it sometimes occur that, hey, we've heard about this guy in the CFL, let's take a look at him, and then maybe you make the decision? Well, I think the big thing is, is you nailed it. There, there has to be somebody who's in your corner, somebody who believes in you. You mentioned Vermeil with Warner. I mean, the great story about Jeff Garcia and Bill Walsh, and Bill Walsh really believing in Jeff Garcia, and that's how Garcia became a 49er. I'll give you another one, guys. It was interesting because I remember going, when we were with the Lions, we went into Toronto last year, and I, I talked to Jarius Jackson at the time, who was with the Argos as their offensive coordinator, and, Mark, and you know, we were talking about McLeod Bethel-Thompson. And I said, you know, I'm just not a big fan for whatever reason. There's something about his game that, you know, the inconsistency. And I said, you know, how high are you guys on McLeod Bethel-Thompson? And Jairus came out and said there were people in that organization that really weren't fans of McLeod Bethel-Thompson. But he believed in him, and Ryan Dinwiddie, the head coach of the Argos, believed in him. And they said, we're going to be all right with this guy. They really kind of, like, pounded that table, as you say and said, no, we're keeping this guy, despite the objections of some people in that organization. And a year later, he's a great cup champion quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, you do need people in your corner at, at whatever level that you're at. We're speaking to Bob the Moj Marjanovich here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj is a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection, just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. Uh, you know, as J- Moj, as Jason's alluding to the, the Kurt Warner story, the other part of that Kurt Warner thing was timing. Like, he was in the right spot at the right time, finally, for once in his career, and he made good on the opportunity. I got to feel like Rourke right now and his camp and his agent and everything have to be saying this is the perfect time for him to have this breakout year and his perfect time to try the NFL because, quite honestly, quarterbacking play in the NFL is in a really dicey spot right now. Like, yeah, you've got Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and Herbert, but – you're seeing maybe the end of Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. You're seeing maybe the end of Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. You're seeing a lot of really subpar quarterbacking across the league. And so, I mean, we had Mike Tanier on earlier in the week, and he said, you know, the amount of like really lousy throwers that are currently getting reps in the NFL, it feels like the perfect chance for Rourke to make good on one of these situations because there's almost like a lack of. QB talent. It's crazy to say. As long as he's healthy, though. I have concerns he... about his health. Yeah, so talk about the opportunity and then his health. Well, you know, here's the thing with opportunity, right? And this is something that I'm going to touch on in my column. Um, the fact is, you might look at a situation right now and you say, hey, there's an opportunity there. That could change in a span of a month or a month and a half. And I'll give you a great example. When Dave Dickinson left the CFL way back, whatever it was, 2000, 2001, he signed with the San Diego Chargers, right? There were no quarterbacks on the roster at the time. Dickinson signed figuring, hey, I've got an opportunity to compete for a spot in San Diego. They don't have anybody on their roster. Well, within a month, they go out and they sign Doug Flutie to a six-year free agent deal. And then in the draft, they go out and get Drew Brees. All of a sudden, you go from being a guy who might be contending for a spot, thinking that you have an opportunity, to being the clipboard holder behind the big free agent signing and a high draft choice. So, I mean – NFL teams, when it, when it comes to like their personnel, there, there's no loyalty. There's no nothing. I mean, they're just, it, it's a cutthroat world. And you could sign with an organization tomorrow believing that you have an opportunity and them telling you that you're going to have an opportunity. And then six weeks later, they might bring in a free agent and they might even bring in a draft choice or a trade or whatever the case may be. So the opportunity might be there when you sign, but is it still there when you get to camp? Moja, I have an NFL question for you, and this is a this is something we've kicked around all season. Of as the Seahawks have stayed in the playoff race in the NFC, who is 
the best team in the NFC? Is it Philadelphia at ten and one? Minnesota at nine and two? San Francisco at seven and four? Or Dallas at eight and three? You know what? It's easy to say Philadelphia because of their record. Um, Minnesota scares me at nine and two because I think seven of those wins have been one score games and their defense has been rather porous. I, I love teams with defense. To me, that wins you championships. So if I'm looking at defense, I'm looking at San Francisco and I'm looking at Dallas. I don't think yeah. San Francisco has allowed a point in the second quarter or probably in the second half of their last four games. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's insane. It tells you a little bit about the adjustments that they make and it tells you about the fact that they kind of amp things up when they need to. So, if I'm looking at teams, who are the best teams in the NFC? For me, it always boils down to defense. And, man, uh, I think the advantage goes with Dallas because of the fact that I think they can put points on the board. Although San Francisco getting McCaffrey has really changed their offense. You have the versatility of Debo Samuel as well. I think McCaffrey was a huge addition for the 49ers because he can do so many things. And he's so tough to defend against. But those two teams, for me, are probably the front runners, and the reason why is because of their defense. What do you think about Dak Prescott as a quarterback? I, I can't figure out, you know, if he's good. And I most of the time that I watch him, I'm like, he doesn't look that good. But then you look at some of the numbers he puts up, and they're like, that's nah, not bad. You know, the funny thing is about Prescott, if you look at Dallas, I saw this betting stat. Against the spread, Dak Prescott is lights out against the NFC East. The rest of the NFL, not so good. Um, so, you know, he has a lot of success within the division. But if you look at that division right now, man, all, all those teams, I think it's the first time in history that you'd have every team in a division making the playoffs. And right now that's the case in the NFC East with what they got going on there. I mean, Washington's even playing some great football, the Giants. But, you know, Washington is what on a 6-1 and one run. You look at what they're doing in terms of their defense, their ball security, the fact that they've been able to run the football. So, you know, you look at that NFC East and, putting up numbers against those teams this year, you got to be impressed with what Dak Prescott has done. And, yeah, I don't think he's a, you know, an elite great quarterback, but I think he's a good to great quarterback who can give you flashes of greatness. Moj, this was great. Thanks a lot for doing it. Before we let you go, it's a tradition here. We have to do a Moj Ask Us Anything. We actually got one submitted just for you now, I'll warn you. It is a food one, but it's also maybe a little bit of strategy as well. Kyle and East Van with an Ask Us Anything for Moj. What is your go-to emergency snack when you're starving and on the highway with no time to pull over to get something to eat? So you're driving along, you're hungry, maybe you've packed something along in the event that you can't stop, but you're starving and you need a snack. What's your go-to? Pepperoni stick. Ah, that's a good one. I'm a, yeah. big, I'm a big fan of the cured meats. Cured meat? What do you eat? What do you have, a deli in your trunk or something? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he does, actually. <laughs> you don't? He's a, Bur- he's a Burnaby guy. They all do. Hold on, where are you getting the cured meats from? Chofis. You don't have cured meats at the side of the, like, you know, at a gas station. <laughs> uh, well, you know, What's like. What's Chofis? Chofis is the deli. Well, Chofis is the deli's by my place. Yeah, yeah Chofis is outstanding. But the thing is, I mean, what do you pull into a 7-Eleven and ask for, like, 250 grams of prosciutto or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little more Adele, a little prosciutto. Make sure it's dried out and we're good to go. No, the pepperoni's no, good. But I mean, no, but you got to be talking about stuff that you can get at, like, you know, at a, at a convenience store, or a, you know, 7-Eleven, Chevron. Oh, whatever, right? you're, so you're talking more of, like, the, the countertop beef jerky. Yeah. yeah. But if I'm, if I'm going on a road trip, of course I'm stopping at a place like Chaffee's. Yeah, fair And load up, like, you know, prosciutto, a little salami. You know, maybe even get a couple of pepperoni sticks, as I mentioned. 
you know, a little San Pellegrino. You're I'm now picturing Moach driving while making a sandwich. <laughs> and you guys remember the story about Julio when he was crossing the border? No. Did he ever tell you? Did you guys ever hear that story? No, now you have to tell it. Okay, so Julio's driving. They're going to a wedding in Kansas City. He's like 19 or something, and, like, he crosses the border, and, like, his mom and his dad and his aunt and his uncle, and apparently, like, obviously English is the second language. Julio says, let me handle this, right? Well, the next thing you know, they're, you know, they think it's a citizenship test. They're yelling, like, British Columbia, John Diefenbaker, Saskatchewan, Mount Robson, <laughs> or whatever. And he's like, he's just being quiet, right? He goes, he says, he goes, he says, he goes, he goes his dad looks over the border guard. He goes, hey, are you hungry? And the guy goes, uh, no, I'm okay. Maria, make him a sandwich. <laughs> his mom starts making him a sandwich in the back seat. So, you're going to get Julian on one time. He'll tell you the story. You will, like, literally be falling off your chair. So, the way he tells it, you'll fall off your chair laughing. Oh, this was great, bud. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks for the, uh, the update on Nathan Rourke, too. That's good stuff. Okay, man. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too. Thanks. That's Bob the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, if anyone's going to yell at me, yes, I know mortadelle is not a smoked meat, a cured meat. I, I'm just – I was talking deli, okay? Good. Uh, Craig and Campbell River has uh, an ask us anything – uh, he says, okay, boys. And Craig and Campbell River, just so everyone knows, is our fellow England supporter yeah. uh, at the World Cup. Uh, okay, boys. Canada had a little bit of fun, but now it's time to focus. Lions, Senegal. Three Lions yeah. of England against Senegal. Uh, do you start Foden instead of Mason Mount? I feel England are a little under the radar this tournament and have a chance to make a statement should they get through a talented Senegalese team hashtag it's coming home now I have been on the record as not all that optimistic about England's chances at this tournament mostly because of the form they showed coming into this tournament which was really bad and they just seem to if there was ever Southgate magic you know if that was ever a thing it feels like it had run out but there's a little bit of hope that's returned. I mean, they thrashed Iran, and they drew the Americans in a pretty bad game. But then they took care of business against Wales. Now they've got Senegal. And I think if Southgate starts Mason Mount over Phil Foden, <laughs> he is the gutsiest manager in the history of management because yeah. the English supporters do not want – Phil Foden to be starting on the bench. They will go nuts if that happens. Yeah, I mean, they were going nuts about this in the group, really. I mean, there was a couple guys. It was Mount and Raheem Sterling who really got taken to task for how ineffective they looked. The U.S. match was Bad. the one. Yeah. The U.S. match was the one where a lot of people looked at it and gave – retroactively, I don't think enough people have given um, the U.S. enough credit. For the fight that they put up, yeah. But the the narrative is still like that was a that was that was not good. And then of course that was the worst game I watched of the group stage. Yeah, and it but it was almost by design. Think so? Yeah, because that, that was a Southgate special where well, Harry Harry, also, Magu Harry Maguire is your best player. Well, I also think it was a U.S. special to a certain degree. I think both parties astutely noted that they were in good shape after the opening match, right? Mm -hmm. They were. I mean, the U.S. was in more dire straits because they had drawn quite disappointingly with Wales. But the U.S. knew um, if we draw here and we, we don't concede and don't get way behind on goal differential, yeah. we get on two points instead of one, and then we move into that final. And all we have to do is beat Iran and we're through. Mm -hmm. So I, 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 
the game was kind of designed to be that way. That being said, it was very, very disappointing from England. They came up with a much better effort against Wales. Rashford looks really, really dynamic right now. And Kane has kind of become interesting because he's turned into like a playmaking yeah. nine as opposed to an out-and-out out nine. And you just don't see a lot of like that. And by a nine, I mean like the traditional up-top, taller-ish target man striker. He's kind of sunk back and been, and he's always been a good passer and a good playmaker. So yeah, that nice, nice cross to Foden. Yeah, uh, no, it? it was to Sterling in the first match against Iran. He had the beautiful one. Oh, I thought he had one against Wales too. He might, yeah, he might, you know, I'm, yeah. I, I might be getting it all jumbled up because I'm talking in the moment. But um, more to the point, the way that they're going now, they've got a pretty decent road that looks like they're going to have to go up against France in the round of eight in the quarterfinals if yeah. they get that far. Mm-hmm. But Senegal's an opponent that they're going to be favored against. The question is going to be, um, can they do this thing that they've done so often under Southgate is where they're happy playing extremely defensive football and then get that one moment of brilliance or that one moment of of class where they can break. Because that's what it's going to be now. Mm-hmm. Southgate football is knockout round football. You just you don't concede, you don't concede, and then you hope for a penalty, a free kick, a corner, something from a set piece. Maybe Kane or Rashford gives you that brief flash, and you move on. Um, there was another question in the inbox, but I've lost it. Okay. Um, but I remember the question, and it was from someone who doesn't know a ton about soccer, but that person enjoys betting on sports. And the question was, who's the best bet? to win the World Cup. So I guess you have to take into account the odds. Yep. Like Brazil is going to be the favorite. Um, you know, Argentina is up there as well, even though they they lost that first game to Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. Um, do you have do you have one that you're you're thinking about right now where you're kind of like, you know what? This team could could win the World Cup and they're not getting a ton of attention. Like England always gets a lot of attention. They rarely get good odds because so many people bet on them foolishly, but people still do it. What about the Dutch? I'm going to put a brief pause on this conversation and we're going to bring it back on the other side with my answer because not only am I going to give it, I'm going to make it my playnow.com lock of the week. I'm going to go to playnow.com. I'm going to look at World Cup futures. I've got one in mind. But another, we've teased two segments in a row quite effectively now. We teed Moj with the um, breaking Nathan Rourke news. Now we're going to tease uh, a pick that might be good value as we get into the round of sixteen. Well, and don't it's let be it be my the lock of the week. Well, don't let it be the Dutch because I'm betting on the Dutch. It's the Netherlands. Yeah. Okay. You can take Holland. I'll take the Dutch, and Andy can take the Netherlands. No, it's going to be another one, but we're going to do it on the other side. We're going to do Ask Us Anything. So we're going to do what we learned, and so we're going to do our PlayNow.com locks of the week. That's all. Coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.